1: Out there, welcome to another edition, Dice Cast on the Roto Viz Radio, brought to you by our friends at the Blue Wire Network. We are mere days away from the season beginning, and I am joined once again by my co-host Dan Seno it's here uh it felt like the it'll last be it'll be, it'll be more it'll be more here
2: the next time we record but it's we're getting closer <laughs> <laughs> i i know it's crazy that i know i mean a, a year ago we weren't sure that it was still gonna happen at this point now it's just full gung-ho so i am I'm, I'm i'm excited uh we've got all sorts of of news and notes to to run through but it's it's time as football is officially, almost officially here. We've got you know, one more week. Yes,
1: and I one, I do want to mention one thing as we get started on the show. This season is very weird. I'm not sure if this is a long-term thing with the now three pre- preseason games. It's very weird that they have a like bye week between the final week of the preseason and the last in the first week of the regular season and on top of that usually final rosters are due the monday before the season starts in the nfl and, and most fantasy leagues but this year for some reason final rosters are due wednesday like basically a, a whole week before the season even starts do so you know if that's like a permanent thing or if that's or if that's what's happening just because like they're adjusting to the new schedule i
2: think it's just temporary but uh, i mean it- who knows? I, I guess that's, that's on the NFL. If they're um, changing their guidelines for, for all of that, but I think it's just a short-term fix because of yeah, this. it
1: it just, yeah, it just doesn't make much sense to, I mean, I guess the only like, you know, question is like do, I mean, I don't think NFL really cares, but does the NFL want to compete with college football opening day? And that's really the only question, but they compete with, you know, college football every other weekend of the year. So, <laughs> you know, not on a day basis, but on a weekend basis. Anyways, let's get ready to cook into the show we got news we got notes we got takes and cakes on this show this evening and so our first one we're going to start off with um i, I want to let everybody know that with the third pick in my home league draft i selected jk dobbins and one hour later um he decided to tear his knee now i know everyone's gonna say oh no one cares about your fantasy team or "Oh, da, da, da. <laughs> sure I'm allowed to lament the fact that, yes, J.K. Dobbins had a a worse day than me, but I was also upset about his injury.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that's a tough one, especially especially so so early on. Um, It's I I see I'm I don't have the same feelings because I have a zero point zero (laughs) zero percent market share of J.K. Dobbins and not necessarily because I I don't think that he'll be OK. I just he's gone way too high for me to really have any interest in him. So, um, it's, it's a tough one. I still think that Baltimore with Gus Edwards and obviously Lamar Jackson is going to be just fine. You know, you're missing out on one of your main playmakers in JK Dobbins. I, I think if anything, this is potentially a, some good news for the passing game. I think we could see some, uh, some, maybe some more volume there. Um And, you know, in exchange for Dobbins not being in the field, unfortunately, just because you lose a playmaker between the tackles, it's hard to just kind of next guy up when it's someone who's above average. You can't just kind of plug and play. So hopefully we see um Hollywood Brown, you know, take a take another step this year. Uh We'll see if Rashad Bateman can stay healthy. Mark Andrews could have a big role and like he normally does. And, you know, the offense, we just like we've talked about over and over, we just want to see them return to 2019 form. Obviously, with COVID, 2020 was was a bit of an outlier for everything. uh, But the Baltimore Ravens for sure took a step back last year. So hopefully we can see them um, make their way back, which might not be all that difficult without J.K. Dobbins, but it definitely doesn't make it any easier.
1: Yeah, I mean, the Ravens have had a rough—as you're talking about it, they've had a rough August. Lamar so had COVID a, sec- a second time, and you had, you know, all their wide receiver room getting hurt or having COVID. And now, basically, their offense—not that it wasn't before—their offense is Lamar Jackson. It's his job to do everything from pass to throw, and I wouldn't be surprised if he catches a few balls. So, pass
2: and throw, or maybe run a little— ha-
1: Pass and throw and run and catch (laughs) all those all those things for Lamar Jackson. Now with with Dobbins and his dynasty value, I'm not running out to try and buy him. Like you said, I thought he was fair, like you know, overvalued from a dynasty lens. um, Just because you know people bumped his value up because of Lamar, and we're not necessarily factoring in the Gus Edwards factor. So I haven't really seen his price post injury. Um, But I'm guessing it's still probably like more than a first. And if so, I'd probably rather have the first at this stage rather than the guy coming off a major injury. And then with with Gus Edwards, like, you know, he's definitely a slam dunk, like win now, redraft, dynasty pick. Um, He's going to be a top 24-ish running back. There's just not much behind him with Justice Hill and Tyson Wallace. I think his name is Tyson, something like that. And so, yeah, I, I think that, Edwards is a fine win now piece Dobbins. I'm avoiding um, and Lamar Lamar is going to get a lot of points, whether the Ravens offense is good or bad. Lamar is going to be scoring a lot because he's going to have such a, like his floor is nearly like 80 rushing yards.
2: All I picked up from that entire rambling, Nathan was that you said justice Hill And now I just can't get it out of my head. Justice Hill is going to be a league win. No, he's not going to be a (laughs) league win. Yeah, Gus Edwards, uh, he's going to just kind of be a redraft type asset. You're looking at him for this year. And that's not to say that he won't have a role in the future. I, I do think that he's good enough to maintain a role. He's just not a difference maker. J.K. Dobbins is a difference maker. And those are the guys you would expect to have. The, the lion's share of carries, even though it was always going to be a committee backfield. We knew that. We know that's how the Ravens like to operate. And, you know, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't necessarily that Dobbins couldn't do it. It was that he was going too high for what was going to be provided. We knew that there was going to be a ceiling on his touches, and yet his valuation seems to not have a ceiling. So that was kind of where the disconnect was for me. Um, and now we kind of put ourselves in a weird spot where normally, you know, and Nathan and I kind of operate similarly in, in, dynasty where we're chasing a lot, you know, we like to build on young wide receivers, but if your team is, is punting and you're rebuilding, now you have a really good opportunity to solidify a backfield for the future. You could go out and pick up JK Dobbins and Travis Etienne this season in your rebuild to help for future years. And they're not going to probably ever really be much cheaper than they will be in a couple of weeks or even right now. So I think this kind of provides a a strange opportunity for, for the rebuilders or the builders to, to really build a a running back committee for the future in your dynasty leagues.
1: Yeah, that's definitely an interesting play, you know, building off of the the injured young running back that, you know, that has now come to be. Um, And then You mentioned Hollywood Brown here. This is a slight uptick in volume from his point. And I do think definitely um, there's a a slight uptick for Mark Andrews because I I, I know people were trying to give that wide receiver volume, Mark Andrews. I definitely think you can give some of the running back volume to Mark Andrews.
2: Yeah. See, I, I think it's just kind of an overall bump for the passing game. I think JK Dobbins makes a big enough difference for them personnel wise that now they kind of have to transition what they were going to do. They'll continue to smash in between the tackles with Gus Edwards, and he'll probably still catch some balls. But I think they'd much prefer to get it in playmakers' hands like Hollywood Brown, like Mark Andrews, like Rashad Bateman. And J.K. Dobbins was one of those guys. Gus Edwards was more their their lean-on guy. We know he's not going to make a mistake. We know he's going to get us three yards, five yards, seven yards, whatever it is. And, uh, you know, when you, when you like I said, when you take away a playmaker – you just kind of you want to transition those looks into the other playmakers, um, even though, like I said, Gus, Gus Edwards is a safe play. He's, he's not going to lose them games, but you, you still always want to keep the ball in in guys like Mark Andrews and, and Hollywood Brown and Rashad Bateman. So um, I think it's an overall uptick for the passing game and honestly, probably an uptick for Lamar. This is going to provide him some more opportunities uh, to use his legs. Not that he didn't have them on every single play already. But when you're not forced to give the ball to J.K. Dobbins and you can run probably some more option stuff, I think it's it helps everyone except, well, I think it helps everybody that J.K. Dobbins isn't going to be there. It moves the volume to the rest of them.
1: All right, let's move on to the Patriots quarterback battle, which was decided on today, August 31st. Cam Newton was released by the New England Patriots. Um, some rumblings that his vaccination status could have been a factor, um, with making that final decision by the Patriots, but also Mac Jones had a great preseason, won the starting job. And currently as we, as we talk is the only quarterback on the Patriots roster, they cut Brian Hoyer, but they're going to re-sign him after they put some players on injured reserve. So Mac Jones, I think this is, this is definitely, I am looking to buy high on Mac Jones, I, the fact that Bill Belichick is this impressed with Mac Jones this early and willing to give him this opportunity and be start starting on like start right from jump street. Certainly if we were betting like which starting quarterback is not going to be starting day one, everyone would have put their chips on Mac Jones and he's starting granted. I think they all might be starting except for maybe fields. Um, But, you know, basically what I'm saying is the fact that he's starting, I think is a huge positive indicator and willing to buy high. And with Cam Newton, we talked briefly before the show Uh, I, I, I thought that retirement was a legitimate option before the Patriots. And now I think it's like nearly the only option for, for Cam Newton.
2: Yeah, I think it's inevitable, especially when you get replaced by the kid that was in the NFL play 60 commercial with you. (laughs) I I think at that point, it just kind of forces your hand. So yeah, you know, Mac Jones, when we, I think a lot of what we talked about pre-draft was, He's got a relatively high floor. He's a pretty polished prospect and just kind of a limited ceiling because of he's not mobile. Uh, he doesn't have the biggest, craziest arm. Obviously, we have Trevor Lawrence in this class, and his floor is pretty darn high as well. But Mac Jones was kind of one of the safer bets to just to just be there and to be ready. And that proved to be true. He's he's their starter. Obviously, uh, they were comfortable cutting Cam Newton for a reason, like you said. So uh, I think think now probably is the best time to buy before we see him on the field, because if he smashes, then you're going to look like a genius. And I I don't really think there's a way for him to necessarily fail. I think the price now is probably going to be the best price and probably the fairest price, even if you are quote unquote overpaying. I really don't think it's going to be much of an overpayment because- you're probably locked in for two or three years minimum on Mac Jones as a starting quarterback here, uh, unless he's absolutely awful. But even that, I mean, look at what we got out of Blaine Gabbard and Mitch Trubisky and Christian Ponder. Uh, he's not that I, I see him as a much better quarterback than those guys. And you know, he he's in probably one of the best places you could be as a rookie quarterback, assuming you get the system, which it sounds like he does. It seems like he does. And You know, obviously, you have all of the backing in the world coming from Belichick and McDaniel's by them, you know, okaying the move to get rid of Cam. So this um, this is good news. I'm on board, honestly, with you, Nathan, and spending to go get him now because this is probably as cheap as he's as he's going to be unless he's horrible. And I I do think it's going to be an
1: elevated price. It's going to be like one and a half to two firsts. Granted, if I'm paying two firsts, like they have to be a locked in guaranteed. And whenever we're talking about p- picks, we're basically basing it off of, you know, market value. So like, if I have two players that are worth a, a first, I think those two players could buy Mac Jones theoretically. And I think that's the kind of moves that I, I'd be trying to make rather than, you know, trying to give it multiple firsts, maybe a first and a play or something like that. That's a move I would make. Um, maybe some cautionary tale for Mac Jones, looking at the road of his box score scout. His his current comps are, his, the, the, the box score scout doesn't really ever change. His comps are uh, to a tag of Tagovailoa, Dwayne Haskins, Teddy Bridgewater, Brandon Whedon. So, some guys who put up big numbers in college um, and so far haven't done a lot at the pro level, but two has some time and, you know, Teddy's been okay. So, you know, some good, some bad with this box score scout, and that's what we have there. And is is there any... I know We've kind of hit on it a little bit, but just, you know, circling back. Is there any reason to hold on to Cam Newton and Superflex? Is it... Is it more so like based on what your roster is looking like? Like, like if you're you have a barren roster, you can afford to, you know, stash Cam Newton for the next few weeks. Um, But you think out of a a traditional, you know, 24 uh, man roster, 25 man roster, you think you're stashing uh, Cam, or are you just letting it go?
2: I'm only doing it if I'm if I'm rebuilding. I'm holding him in hopes that he catches on somewhere, picks up a job, and then you're able to flip him for any pick. Uh, That would really be the only way to to see that as as reasonable to keep him on a roster if if i'm contending i I need that spot i'm not going to be doing anything with cam newton um and if i have to go later on and buy him back for like a third or a fourth not the end of the world but i I just it's hard to justify uh uh, you know an older quarterback not that he's old by any means but an older quarterback getting cut for these reasons um and he hasn't looked good in five years four years It's been, it's, it's been a bit much. So um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm on board with, I mean, you can do everything you want to try to trade camp like a fourth or something just to get something out of it because somebody probably will bite on that. But if, if it's like a contract league or something, you probably just have to cut the bait.
1: All right, let's move on to the other bit of Patriots news from last week. And that was Sony Michelle is heading West to the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams find, uh, you know, their supplement for the Rams' backfield after the Cam Akers injury. You kind of knew that they weren't just going to go into the into the season with Daryl Henderson and Xavier Jones and whatever else they have there. So now it's basically Daryl Henderson and Sony Michelle. I know you are a constant detractor of Sony Michelle. I am a constant detractor of how poorly the Rams are at using at trading draft picks. Um, <laughs> they essentially. Uh, the, They either traded, I think it's either a fifth and a seventh or a fourth, depending on Michelle's, uh, you know, play or amount of snaps or whatever. Trading a fourth round pick for Sonny Michelle is absolutely terrible, like just disgusting. Um, But that does mean that I think that this is going to be like a 60-40 split, whereas some might be projecting for a 70-30 or an 80-20. I think it's a, it's a 60-40 split. Michelle's going to get some run. He's going to get like five to seven carries a game.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's going to be an issue, especially for any Daryl Henderson truthers. The The problem is, is that he produced in New England, even though he looked extremely mediocre doing it, if not bad. Uh, and you just spent a decent amount of draft capital on a former first-round pick. Now, should he been a first-round pick? Obviously not. Should you have traded a fourth to go get him? Probably not. But these are the things that happen when you deal with the Patriots. You somehow over and over just get swindled. So uh, I'm I wouldn't be buying Sony Michelle by any means, but I could probably see myself buying Daryl Henderson because of this news. I think Daryl Henderson is decent. I don't think he's great. He's better than Sony Michelle. The issue in all of that is Cam Akers will be back next year. So what are you supposed to do there? Do you avoid this altogether? Do you even avoid Cam Akers or do you add Cam Akers to that list of Travis Etienne and JK Dobbins and just try to overhaul a full team and have it ready for 2022? Um, It's a, it's a weird spot. I don't know what the Rams are thinking, getting Sony Michelle, but yeah, he's going to be a problem for Daryl Henderson. Doesn't have any dynasty value. This, in my opinion, probably significantly decreases Daryl Henderson's dynasty value. And I don't think it changes Cam Akers' value whatsoever. No, I mean, no, no, He's no, still no. a buy. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure Michelle is in the last year of his contract,
1: which makes it even more egregious. But, uh, yeah, for me, I'm looking at the range of outcomes app with Sony Michelle, Jay Ajayi 2018, Khalil Bell 2012, Jonathan Williams 2020. Um, and C.J. Spiller 2014. Eh. Um, so, you know, some names from Dynasty days past, but nothing like it that's jumping off the page. Yeah, I I think that there's very little Dynasty value to be had in this backfield. And outside of, and this is where it's like a rock and a hard place here. Like, I kind of wish the Rams defense was bad. If the Rams defense was bad, Stafford would, would have like 700 attempts, <laughs> and uh woods and cup would have like 1400 yards each but the problem is that they're going to be in you know uh positive game script situations where they are running the ball so that gives the opportunities to henderson and michelle um so you know we'll we'll see how their their rush their rush distribution goes on early in the
2: season in games they're leading and that will you know have a big impact on their values I just, it's weird that they didn't go and and try to get a different kind of running back. I feel like Daryl Henderson and Sonny Michelle are essentially just going to do the same thing. Sonny Michelle is, is beaten, and broken and, and like just not athletic whatsoever. And I mean, Daryl Henderson is more of just your pure runner. What are you going to do with Sonny Michelle? He's also pretty much exclusively between the tackles. He's not beating anyone to a corner. He's not catching passes This to me just doesn't really make a lot of sense what would have made sense was for them to go out and get like giovanni bernard uh obviously him going to the bucks didn't didn't do them any favors but i I just it didn't it doesn't make sense to me i feel like you you have someone who's decent enough at part of the running back (laughs) duties and then you go and get somebody else that does only those things but worse and you had to pay a fourth round pick for him
1: Speaking of things that don't make sense, not having a RotoViz subscription for the 2021 season makes no sense. And I'm going to let Comb or Curtis or somebody talk to you right now about why you need a RotoViz subscription.
0: Hey, RotoViz radio listener, this is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast, and I've got a special deal for you today. Go to rotoviz.com.
1: And we are back for the rest of the show. Our next bit of news we have is Gardner Minshew traded from the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Philadelphia Eagles, for a conditional pick, which will be a sixth if Minshew doesn't play, a fifth if he does, essentially. I think it's half of three games. Um, so Gardner Minshew, this one was weird, and this is a common take. I'm not saying I invented this take because everyone on Twitter said the same thing. This trade makes no sense for the prospect of backup quarterbacks are more expensive than a fifth-round pick. Like you have to spend more assets than that to get a backup quarterback. Gardner Minshew is at at a floor perspective a perfect backup quarterback. He's never really gonna. I mean, we can we'll, we'll move on to this topic as we continue talking. I don't think he really ever is going to be. You know. Your franchise quarterback—he's not going to be threatening the QB one that Um, much—and that was kind of the claim. The people who were trying to rationalize it from the Jaguars' perspective, like, oh, uh, they didn't want Trevor Lawrence to be looking over his shoulder at Minshew the whole season. If Trevor Lawrence is going to be worried about Minshew looking over his shoulder the whole season, he's not going to be a good NFL player. So, just from a strictly NFL perspective, this was a great trade from the Eagles. They got a bargain in terms of, you know, a quarterback on a day three rookie contract for the price of a fifth round pick based at, you know at the you know most expensive and in the best case scenario he is contending with Jalen Hurts or a safety net for Jalen Hurts for me th- this that's how and we'll get into how, your perspective Dan that's how I view it I think it's a break in case of emergency glass for Jalen Hurts that didn't exist with J- Joe Flacco as the backup quarterback that you weren't going to bench Jalen Hurts for Joe Flacco it wasn't going to happen But now you have Minshew, if things go really bad, you can say, let's try this Minshew thing out because the Hertz thing isn't isn't going as planned.
2: Yeah, it's definitely strange. The price is what confuses me the most. It kind of makes me believe that he either demanded out or the Jags know something that everybody else doesn't. That's really the only things I can think of because Minshew has been good. It's not even that he's been okay. He's been good. He doesn't turn the ball over. He he pretty much can do anything you want him to do as the quarterback, and he gets traded for a six-round pick to a team that has a questionable starter at best with tons of of mobility, and that's about it. To me, this is a we know Jalen Hurts sucks. We hope this offense is okay until he sucks so bad that. We just can't we can't win, uh, Nathan and I were talking before the show, and the Eagles have a moderately difficult first half i th- I think that there's a point towards the middle of their season where they play the Raiders and then the lions, and I think if they lose to the Raiders, Jalen hurts is not their quarterback and their head coach is not their head coach. I think if they lose to the lions, somehow those things are an absolute certainty. The, the, all of the games leading up to that, except for maybe the Falcons are just their, their losses. You can just write those down as losses. The Eagles aren't good. They don't have the personnel. It's going to be a gong show, but Jalen Hurts probably isn't going to get that benefit of the doubt because they now have Gardner Minshew. Uh, To me, I would prefer to have Minshew here. I love the prospects of Jalen Hurts and what his mobility brings, but he is not a good passer. Gardner Minshew is a great passer and I feel like this offense would do better. Great passer, Dan. Great in, passer. in comparison to Jalen Hurts. <laughs> okay. he, I mean, look at the numbers. He, he's a very good passer. And in the scheme of things, he only played 23 games. But his numbers are pretty damn good. I wouldn't pass them off as mediocre or bad. He's better than, than a lot of guys that get praised for being great. I think as a baseline, you're probably looking at a Ryan Tannehill type. A Ryan Tannehill after Adam Gase.
1: Uh, Dan, would you like to hear uh, the range of outcomes uh, comparables for one Gardner Minshew?
2: Feed them to me. I'm ready because I know that there's going to be good players on
1: it. What's the name you just said?
2: (laughs) I would assume Ryan Tannehill's on there.
1: Number one, Ryan Tannehill. Number two, Andrew Luck. Number three, James Winston. Number four, Bortles. Number five, Fitzpatrick. All those guys, except for really Tannehill, play a very similar reckless form of ball, um, which might be what gets Jalen Hurts benched, but... I don't know. You're kind of talking me into Jalen. I mean, like if I'm betting the over under on like Minshew starts, I would bet, bet over, over one and a half.
2: He like as him only
1: starting two games. No, I'm saying at minimum two games.
2: Yeah, no, I, I would take the over there. Absolutely. And th- for what it's worth, I, the, the range of outcomes app to me, like you said, it, it shows a more reckless play. His inter interception percentage is less than two. And I'm pretty sure Jameis Winston is like seven or something crazy. <laughs> that guy throws the almost exact same number of interceptions as touchdowns. He might even have more interceptions and touchdowns. Um, to me, Gardner Minshew is a safe quarterback. He's not, he's not going to, you know, take your team to the super bowl and with like a mediocre roster, like what Aaron Rodgers can do. He's not Aaron Rodgers. We know he's not Aaron Rodgers. but I think he very much can be Ryan Tannehill and, you know, he can do all of the things Ryan Fitzpatrick can do. And these offenses are being, you know, gloated about from a fantasy perspective. I think all of the projections change if Gardner Minshew is a starting quarterback for the Eagles, for the wide receivers, for Miles Sanders. Uh, for a while, I thought Jalen Hurts was going to be good for Miles Sanders. Now I don't really think that. I, I, think, I think the prospect of Jalen Hurts being the runner that we know he is and, and him being really good at it I think that is going to take everything away from Miles Sanders, uh, a, a, you know, and more than likely probably in the passing game. I think, I think they, they turn him into Josh Jacobs before they turn him into Giovanni Bernard or, or one of those kinds of guys.
1: All right, let's move on to the NFC North with the Minnesota Vikings made a trade with the Irv Smith injury said we need a tight end. Let's bring in one Chris Herndon from the New York jets. But I have no opinion here. I Herndon is not a guy who would make my rosters. I've, I'm not optimistic with any sort of trade, especially one, you know, a couple of days before the season starts. Um, talk me into why I'm underselling one Chris Herndon.
2: Well, this is this is a tough one because this is a this is a name that we've been talking about for probably too long, drafted in 2018 and, you know, not. You know, he was a fourth round pick. He went to the Jets. We can all hear the plane crashing right now. That is the New York Jets. That was the New York Jets. We saw a very, very small amount of promise from him as a rookie, only getting 56 targets, but turning that into 500 plus yards and four touchdowns. So uh, I I think we got something out of Chris Herndon early, and then everybody got all sort of amped up, all, all hot and bothered and then he got injured. And he missed essentially all of 2019. Never never really has looked right since in his limited play, but if he's healthy, Chris Herndon can do the things that Irv Smith can do just slightly just you know a step below. But Chris, Chris Herndon and especially if Irv Smith is healthy and they still have Chris Herndon, they're are two tight end since now are extremely dangerous you have Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen, and then you bring them inside with Herb Smith and Chris Herndon plus Dalvin Cook. That to me is about as scary as that offense can be personnel wise. So I think this is a short-term move to cover up for Herb Smith, but also this is a halfway decent long-term fix if they want to resign him. His, His rookie contract will be up after this year, but assuming they bring him back, I think that really boasts your tight end position. And we know that the Vikings love running two and three tight end sets, especially when Dalvin cooks being involved, but even, you know, even red zone offense, they, they'd like to do that a lot. So I think this has, assuming he's healthy and he plays well, I think this could have some more long-term effects than, than even the short term. But I think in the short term, he very, very easily could be a tight end one. Uh, depending on how long Herb Smith is out in that, in that period of time, I think he could realistically be a tight end one. If this trade happened August 1st and not August 31st, I might
1: be able to buy into it, but I just don't see him coming in, learning a playbook and becoming a tight end one that quickly. I mean, I I think that as long as Conklin is, is healthy, which he isn't healthy, but if if Conklin is healthy by week one, I think he's leading the team in tight end targets.
2: Gronklin is a blocker. And I don't know if you know what playbook you're talking about, because this is a Mike Zimmer offense, which essentially runs like four plays (laughs) and is the least innovative offense in the world. So if Chris Herndon can figure out how to run like an out, a slant and a corner, I think he'll be okay because that's pretty much all he's going to be asked to be to run. They probably won't ask him to block. He's going to be a pass catcher and a pass catcher exclusively.
1: All right. Now let's wrap up the show with some, Surprising might be a bit of a stretch, but some interesting cuts. Um, some guys that both of us had on several dynasty rosters, and we'll go through, we'll k- kind of talk about, you know, the main ones and give our your takes and whatnot. So, the main ones we're talking about right now, day three picks slash one UDFA, we have Daz Newsome cut by the Chicago Bears, Des Fitzpatrick cut by the Titans, who spent three, The in case you didn't know, Tennessee Titans spent three draft picks to acquire Des Fitzpatrick, and he's been cut before week one. Uh, Cornell Powell cut before week one. Garrett Doakes, Javian Hawkins has been cut twice in the last week, um, once by the falcons and once by the titans so he's been traveling around the south and john brown requested his release not a rookie but john brown notable cut because uh, he was asked for his, his release and they're like sure and we'll see where he lands
2: yeah w- again we were talking before the show and, and nathan was going down the list of these names and he goes oh and john brown got released I, what smoky uh he goes yeah he asked for his release and I said, that makes sense. Yep. It's the Raiders, John Gruden. He asked for his release. I, I get it. <laughs> the only one I think that is probably surprising here on this list. Not that these, like you spend a draft pick, you probably shouldn't be cutting them instantly is Des Fitzpatrick. Because like you mentioned, they spent to go get Des Fitzpatrick. And then they just cut him. The Javian and Hawkins bit is a little bit funny. Cause he got cut, you know, twice already. Uh, and it was tough to hear about your cousin, Cornell Powell, not making the roster and getting cut.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I would say Fitzpatrick is definitely the guy that I was the most excited about before this happening. Cornell Powell had a slight like Debbie slash Clemson vibe where it's like, Oh, and then you add like the cheese factor. Um, and then Daz Newsom is a guy that I kind of liked, like similarly to Diami Brown and Diami Brown obviously went in the third round and much higher draft capital guy. Um, I would say out of all these, despite being cut twice, I think that Hawkins probably has the best chance of going somewhere and like finding a spot. Um, Cause really it's an extreme negative indicator that someone spends three draft picks. Like I would say before, if you had asked me all this, all these players that they hadn't been cut, who was most likely to have success? I would say Destas Patrick because the Titans spent three picks on him. They spent three picks on him and then cut him. So Tough breaks. So I think Hawkins, if if I have to stash one of these guys in Dynasty, not including John Brown, John Brown, you can keep on your roster. You're not cutting him because um, he's going to be on a team and probably like a contending team very soon. Um, but out of the rookies, I would say um, if you have to stash one, stash Hawkins. But likely you're not stashing anyone.
2: Yeah, I mean, I probably am not going to hurry to to go cut Des Fitzpatrick unless I absolutely have to get my rosters down before week one. And like you mentioned, John Brown's not going anywhere. He's, he's going to produce on a contender, uh, where that is, who knows, um, the Javian Hawkins bit, it would be tough for me to hang on there only because, I mean, when's the last time somebody got cut twice before the season started as a rookie who was drafted. It's not like he was undrafted. He was drafted. He got cut twice. Uh, that's probably not good news for Javian Hawkins. Um, yeah, it, it, none of this is great, but you know, I, I kind of, maybe, maybe the, the dad's Fitzpatrick bit with the Titans was he was expecting to play right away and then they got Julio. So, I mean, maybe that played into a little bit. He was expecting playing time. Obviously that's probably not a great perspective to have coming in as a day three pick, but I mean, the depth chart was mediocre at best prior to Julio getting there. Uh, and then that just kind of flipped the whole thing on its head. So I don't know, probably, you know, if you have the space, hang on to see if they catch somewhere. Otherwise, uh, if you, if you need a spot, if you, if you're, if there's somebody on the waiver wire that you really need to go get, these are the types of guys that you're going to be cutting over, you know, say Latavius Murray or something, assuming he get if he makes the team or not
1: alrighty that should wrap us up for this week the annual bold prediction show will be next week so make sure you tune in for that like like, like rate review subscribe all those fun things Spotify iTunes wherever you get your podcast we're in your ear holes any last words Dan no I look forward to the, the bold predictions it should be good I look forward to it as well we'll talk to you guys next week Codo!
3: MyPatriotSupply.com